If you would take your Bible this morning and turn to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17, or if you have your uh, church app, you can open it up, and it'll open you up there at Ephesians 4 and flip to verse 17. I began uh, last Sunday a series of messages about a heart like yours, Lord, and we're looking at how the Bible tells us that we're to have a heart like the Lord's, a heart like yours. And this morning, as we look in Ephesians chapter 4, I want to kind of focus on just the thought about being tender-hearted. Tender-hearted. You know, sometimes you'll hear someone say that someone is tender-hearted. And when they say that, in my mind and in a lot of your minds, you immediately think one of two things, or maybe both. And that is that the person maybe is tender-hearted in that they're sensitive to what people say, and so their heart is very sensitive to that. So if you say something to them um, that's maybe just kind of joking, they may take it the wrong way and hurt their feelings, tender-hearted. Or that they're tender-hearted in how that they have feelings and compassion for other people that have a need in their life or going through a struggle, and so they're tender-hearted to the needs of others. And as we look at the scriptures this morning, at the very end of the verses that we look at, verses 17 through 32, we'll see the Bible tells us in the New King James to be tender-hearted. Some translations already have the word compassionate there. And as I said a while ago, when we hear that someone is tender-hearted, we usually think of someone who is sensitive or compassionate to someone else. And the Bible in these scriptures that we're looking at, we'll see the word mind and heart mentioned a couple of different times. And it's letting us know that as Christians, we're to have the heart and mind of the Lord towards other people. And it kind of ends in that verse 32 about being tender-hearted. In our Christian lives, the scriptures will tell us that we've got to put off the old and put on the new which means there's got to be a change that goes on. Matter of fact, it tells us that we've got to work on our spiritual mind, the way we see things, and the way we think about things, and the way we feel about things. And to be in the mindset and the heart of the Lord, we've got to put off the old or get rid of it or remove it or discard it from our life and put on the new things, the things of Christ, the way He thinks, the way He feels. And if we're going to have the heart of Christ, then we've got to have our hearts Tendered. When uh, you accept Christ as your personal Savior, when you become a Christian, as I mentioned, Tim did during vacation Bible school, our hearts automatically go through a change because God's Spirit comes to live inside of us and in our hearts. But that change is a change that is a growing process. And in this growing process, I've learned that as we take more of God's Word into us and we yield ourselves over to God's Spirit, the more tender our hearts become. But the Bible also tells us in Corinthians that, or in Romans, that we have to have the renewing of our mind, which means that when God's Spirit comes to live in us, we also need God's Scriptures to fill our our mind and to fill our hearts so that our hearts become more tender. Matter of fact, in Romans, it tells us to be not uh, not conformed to the world, which means don't let the ways of the world and the pressures of the world shape our way of thinking and our feelings and our emotions about ourselves and about God and about others, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. 
And obviously, if we're going to renew our mind or change our way of thinking, we've got to have something new to be thinking about, don't we? We've got to be feeding God's Word, His Scriptures inside of us. So as we look at these Scriptures, we'll see the mind and the heart mentioned because they are interlinked together by God's Spirit to change the way we think and the way we feel about others. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4 and beginning in verse 17. And as we begin to look at this, I want you to kind of just ask yourself this morning, spiritually speaking, is your heart become tendered? Since you've accepted Christ, and is it continuing to be more tender to the things that God would be tender towards? Some of you may, as adults, may have raised children, and you may have had a child that was more hard-headed, and you may have had a child that was more tender-hearted. Of raising my children and my grandkids, I've seen that there are some that are kind of hard-headed. They're the kind that you got to just kind of punch them in the nose to get a point across. And then there are others that you can just kind of give them this look. And they break down and start crying. They're tender-hearted. They already begin to feel it. In the same way in the Christian life, there are some people who naturally, their hearts become tender very easily when they accept Christ. And then there's others that they got to work on it more by the renewing of their minds. So let's look at this together in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 17. If you found the scriptures and you're glad to be here, would you say praise the Lord? Ken is praising the Lord on the front pew here. He's sounding good. Here's what it says. I'm reading this out of the New King James Version. It says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Some translations don't have the rest of it. It just says, no longer walk as the Gentiles walk. What the Apostle Paul was saying to the church of Ephesus, who had accepted Christ, is that when you accept Christ as a Christian, remember that to the Jewish people, they recognize the Jewish people as those who belonged to God and those that were Gentiles were those who did not belong to God. But the Apostle Paul is seeing Gentiles accept Christ. And so he's letting them know that now as Gentiles having accepted Christ, they're not to walk like the Gentiles that they have known in the past were to do. So he says that they no longer should walk or live their life as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. The Apostle Paul sounds kind of strong in, in the, what he's saying here. He said, don't, don't walk like the Gentiles that you've known in the past, how they live their life in the futility of their mind. And the word futility there means emptiness or vainness. There's no substance there. Now, he wasn't saying that they were ignorantly stupid, but he was saying that from a godly perspective, from the things of God, they, there was emptiness there. There was nothing of substance. And he says, having their understanding darkened, which means that the things of Satan had darkened their way of thinking. They were thinking in darkness. And he said, alienated from the life of God, meaning there was no relationship with God there. So their way of thinking, their way of living, their way of acting. Their way of behavior was totally separate from the things of God. And then he uses the word ignorance in them because of the blindness of their heart. See how he's linking the heart and the mind together and letting them know that as they are now newborn Christians in Christ, 
that their heart and their mind linked together has got to go through a renewal process and it's got to be tendered. Now, verse 19 says, who being fast past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness and to work all uncleanness with greediness. Verse 20, but you have not so learned Christ. Now, in verse 20 is where the Apostle Paul is making a sudden change. Here's the way that before you came to know Christ as Gentiles, there was darkness, there was ignorance, there was separation from Christ, but now you have come to know Christ, and now you are learning something different. Your life should be different. In verse 21, he says, If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the word conduct meaning the way of lifestyle. So he's saying now that you have come to know Christ and you've heard the teachings of Christ, you've got to put off, get rid of, discard. My daughter, she likes to pick on me as having kept clothes forever. She will sometimes say, Dad, is that those pants you got 20 years ago? She likes to cut at my heart. And recently, there were some transactions that uh, I had got rid of some stuff. And my daughter said, oh, did Dad get rid of his 20-year-old pants or his 20-year-old shirt? Getting rid of stuff from the past, the old. That's what the Apostle Paul was saying here, that you've got to put off, get rid of, discard the former things. The old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man which was created according to God. So here the Apostle Paul is saying, let's get rid of, let's discard those things of the old person and put on the new person that is according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So in that first part, the Apostle Paul, in those verses that we read, he's just letting the church at Ephesus, and you and I know that when we come to know Christ, we've got to get rid of some of this old stuff in our life, begin to renew our mind, and to tender our hearts. And here's where he says in verse 25, Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin, and do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And then verse 32 says, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So here the Apostle Paul is letting them know in those closing moments to become tenderhearted. As we're looking at having a heart like the Lord's, we have to have our hearts tender too. And you know, really by nature, we like tender things, don't we? Tender moments with someone special. 
people who are tender-hearted to show compassion. When we eat a meal, we like tender meat. We have a tendency to like the things that are tender. But sometimes the ways of the world, you remember I said in Romans, it says, be not conformed to this world. When we allow the things of the world, the pressures to have more impact on our life, it darkens our way of thinking and it hardens our heart. And yet the Apostle Paul says we need to have a tender heart. And you can tell a person is becoming more like Christ and their heart is beginning to show that tenderness in some of these areas. One of the areas is when there is tenderness in showing compassion to others. You can tell that a person is becoming more like Christ and having a heart like the Lord's when there is a tenderness in compassion towards other people. The Apostle Paul in that last verse when he said tender-hearted, some translations just say the word compassion. And so tender-heartedness is when we have compassion with, to someone else. And that is when we can see that person's situation and kind of put ourselves in that same spot in our minds. The reason that a lot of times that people don't have compassion for others and they're not tender-hearted to the needs of other people is that they just look at that person and their situation and isolate themselves. Well, that's not me. I'm different. But some of you may have heard the old saying that, but by the grace of God, there go I. People, when they're in bad situations and struggling in their life, it's just by the grace of God that any of us are not in that same situation. And so when we in our lives become tender-hearted to the things of other people, and in this verse it says, show kindness. One of the very first area is that when you can see that a person is becoming compassionate to other people and their heart is being tendered is when they show kindness. And the reason that is true is if you read in Galatians chapter 5, the fruits of the Spirit. You know what the fruits of the Spirit means, isn't it? Fruit is something that comes, that is produced by something. And so if we have the Spirit of God in us, there's a fruit that comes out of us. And the Bible tells us the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and kindness. If there's an absence of kindness in our heart, then there's usually an absence of the things of God in our life. Matter of fact, when I'm doing marital counseling with people, especially premarital counseling, when we look to the scriptures about the love chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I always emphasize the fact that you can tell that your marriage is going down the tube when there's a lack of kindness or when kindness is beginning to drift in your relationship. When you stop showing or expressing in some way some kindness by your actions or by the words that you say. There was a couple that used to go to our church years ago that they were all the time saying little cutting things to one another. And I said something to, to them one time. I said, you know, I said it with a smile on my face and, you know, a little bit of laughter. I said, y'all going to have to quit that. You know, you're going to hurt your feelings one of these days. And, they, and one, the wife immediately said, nah, we do that all the time. They're now divorced. Kindness. Is an area of God's Spirit working in our lives. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And so if there is tenderness working in our hearts, that tenderness will be reflected in the fact that we show kindness to other people. And as I said, kindness and compassion is when you can see the other person and recognize that, you know, I could be in that same situation. You put yourself in their shoes 
And think about how you would feel if you were in that circumstance. And so the Apostle Paul is telling us to show kindness. Not only is it kindness is a sign that there's tenderness in your heart of showing compassion to other people, but also fair treatment. When you treat other people in a fair way. I remember when I was growing up in school, we used to get these uh, wooden rulers, one foot. I can't remember what grade it was. I first got one, but it was early in school. And it said on there, the golden rule. I bet y'all can even say it with me, can't you? Let's say it together. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's tenderheartedness. It's when you can give fair treatment to other people. It's when you are recognizing that, hey, if I was in that spot, here's the way that I would want to be treated. You know what, that, that was a statement that as when I was growing up, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And I can remember that I was an adult before it hit me. Well, wait a minute, if that's supposed to be in the Bible, where is that? How many of you, just be honest, I done put the preacher in that spot. How many of you grew up hearing the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, but you had no clue where it was in the Bible? Come on, be honest. There we go. I just want to make sure that I didn't feel so bad. <laughs> But I was way into adulthood when I thought, well, where is that? Some of you, need, I was going to tell you where it is, but I want you to look it up yourself if you don't know yet. Fair treatment is putting yourself in that person's shoes and treating them with fairness and kindness. But you know, there's a hard word that the Apostle Paul puts here in this last verse 32 about how that we have compassion to others, that tenderheartedness, and that is forgiving one another even as God in Christ forgave you. One of the areas that you know that your heart is becoming tender is in the area of forgiveness. And you know, as I've looked through the Bible, one of the things that has stood out to me the most is that the Bible tells us that if you know that there's an issue between you and someone else, before you even come and bring your offerings to the Lord, maybe I should tell this after the offering. Just kidding. Before you bring your offerings to the Lord, if you know there's a problem between you and someone else, you go get that taken care of and then bring your offerings to the Lord. Now, why would the Bible say that? It's letting us know that to God, our relationship with other people in the area of forgiveness is so significant that we don't even need to be giving our offerings or coming into the presence of the Lord until we have dealt with those issues ourselves. And the Bible tells us Matter of fact, if we look at the model prayer, and at the end of the model prayer in Matthew chapter 6, it tells us that, that if we're not willing to forgive others, God will not forgive us. Now, I don't know if you realize the significance of that, but the Bible lets us know that when there's sin in our life, it's a barrier between us and God. And if God's not willing to forgive us because we're harboring something for someone else. I remember there was a man one time that had came to our church for quite a while. And I don't even remember what led up to me, but he, he started telling me about a brother he had that lived in another state. And how that they had been at odds at each other. He said, I never talked to him. Don't even want to have anything to do with him. And when he said that, he was just saying like it didn't really phase him a whole lot. And I'm thinking, you're coming to church, you're singing songs, but you, do you realize that God is not even hearing your prayers? Because you're not willing even to forgive your own flesh and blood, brother? Through uh, 
Actually, it wasn't very long after that, God began to just really, maybe it was he needed that confession. God began to grip his heart, and it wasn't too long after that, he came with just tenderness in his heart and his motions, saying, I went to see my brother. And he said, he said, all those years of that bitterness, we got it all ironed out. And he said, we left hugging each other. And I thought, He's rejoicing over his relationship with his brother being healed and doesn't even really realize he just healed his relationship with God. Tenderness of the heart is compassion to others, showing kindness and fair treatment and forgiveness. But the Bible also tells us that another area that our, when our heart is becoming tender is not only tenderness and showing compassion to others, but it's also tenderness in our conduct, the way that we interact with everyone else in just everyday life. And if you look at these scriptures, it tells us in verse 25, he says, Therefore putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. The Bible tells us that in our conduct with others, the way that we speak our language, matter of fact, our honesty, is a sign that there's a tenderness in our heart. When we just can't, within ourselves feel comfortable with lying with a lack of honesty and you know what I've come to learn how many of you you don't have to raise your hand but just think about this how many of you ever grew up hearing this expression well it's just a little white lie just a little white lie you know what I've learned that little white lies become bigger white lies and you know what I've also found? The more you justify little white lies, the easier it is to justify the bigger lies. When there's a tenderness of the heart, there's a conviction when you're not telling the truth. I can never forget one time when there was a, a special thing in our family and, and people had been invited to come and, and there was a couple in our church that didn't come and hadn't really thought nothing about it but uh, the, uh, the wife started saying sorry we couldn't come to such and such event and, and she started saying so and so and here's the funny part her husband said that's not when that happened she said yes it is <laughs> I thought her husband just caught her in a lie herself. Honesty. There's tenderness in our heart when we just can't accept of ourselves telling lies. When we just have to be honest. When our language has to be one that is reflecting Christ. The scriptures tell us here that just in our, in our temperament, Tells in verse 26 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Now, when it says, nor give place to the devil, it's letting us know that when we begin, we, when we become angry and we don't deal with the anger, then we're giving the devil a hold in our life. Does everybody understand that? When you become angry and you don't deal with it, when you hold anger, when it becomes bitterness, matter of fact, 
In the scripture in verse uh, 31, it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking and all malice, let it be separated from you. When we have anger in our life and we don't deal with it, then it starts getting a hold of our life. Anger becomes bitterness, and bitterness is like a cancer. It'll kill you. It'll eat at you inside. Usually, when we develop bitterness in our life, we hurt more than the person we're angry at. It eats at us. And the Bible tells us to be angry and do not sin, so we know that you can be angry and not be a sin. The Bible tells us that Jesus was angry at how the money changers were in the temple and they were cheating people. They were coming and people were trying to exchange monies and so forth and they had unjust weights which means that the weights weren't accurate and so they were cheating people. And the Bible tells us that Jesus threw over the tables of the money changers and he made a whip and he ran them out. So he was angry but his angry was anger in a not him sinning, but their sin. So the Bible is pretty clear that you can become angry. It's natural to be angry. If you see a child being abused, it makes you angry. But there's an anger that becomes to a point of sin when it gets a hold of our life and our actions become sinful actions. And so the Bible says when you become angry, don't sin and don't let the devil get a hold in your life. Don't give him a place to be able to manipulate you because in anger, the devil can easily manipulate us because our feelings and our emotions have been elevated to another level. You know, the Bible tells us in this verse 26, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. You know what that's saying? It's basically saying this, that when you become angry, and sometimes there is reasons that will make you angry, but don't sin and don't let it continue to stay in your life. Deal with it that day. When you let anger go on day after day after day, then the stronger hold it gets in your life and the more damage it does. One of the things that I always recommend to uh, couples when they're about to get married, and that is there are going to be issues and there are going to be moments of anger. But try to deal with it that day. Don't let it go to another day because here's what happens. When anger stays in your heart, your mind imagines things that aren't there. And the more that your mind imagines things that are not there, the more anger it develops. Have you ever been angry at somebody? Just think about this. Because I've done this before. You're, You're angry about somebody, about something, then you start thinking, you know what? I bet you they did that. Ooh, that makes me mad. And you think of more things and you get more angry. And then when it's all settled over, none of that was true. You just imagine it all in your mind. Tenderness in your heart is when the anger, the temperament has to be in control. You know, I've had people you know, that have had bad tempers and say, well, that's just the way God made me. Well, God gave you certain personality. He gave all of us personality traits, but there are good qualities that can come out of that, and there's bad qualities that can come out of that. It all depends on how you direct it. Usually a person who has anger issues is kind of a leader-type person. They, they, they lead others, but they become angry easier. That's a bad byproduct of it. 
And so for every personality trait that God has given us, it depends on how we direct that personality trait. The Apostle Paul is telling us here to, in this closing verses to be tender-hearted. And let me ask you this morning, are you showing the character, characteristic traits of tenderness and how you're tender towards compassion to others? Is there a tenderness in your heart by your conduct with other people? Or is there a need to tender your heart to be like God's? Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this morning. And Lord, we thank you, God, for these scriptures that teach us about being tender-hearted. And Lord, when I look at all the Apostle Paul said in these scriptures, and we have to ask ourselves, am I tender in kindness towards others, or treating others with fair treatment, forgiving no matter how I've been done, tenderness in my language, my temperament, my honesty. Lord, when I look at all that the Apostle Paul says there, I have to go, ouch. And somehow, in some way, he seems to hit all of us. And so, Lord, I pray that this morning that when I think about the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, kindness is the fifth one mentioned, but the very last one mentioned is self control. Lord, sometimes we can justify our bad attitude and our bad actions and our sinful ways, but when it really gets down to it, the Bible tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. When we bring our anger in control, when we bring our language in control, when we bring our attitude towards people in control, we are showing the fruits of the Spirit and the tenderness of our heart and Lord, we're showing that we're not being conformed by the world, but we're being transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so Lord, I, my prayer is this morning that if the Apostle Paul hit some people like he hit me in some areas of my life, Lord, I pray that you'd help me through the work of your Holy Spirit and by the truth of your scriptures, God, to tender my heart. And Lord, I pray that you'd tender hearts in this congregation today. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to ask you the question, is there a need of God tendering your heart this morning? Have you been showing some rudeness instead of kindness? Have you been a little bit self-centered instead of treating people fair? Have you been holding on to some feelings instead of giving forgiveness? Is there some things in your language that wouldn't honor God? Is there some temperament that needs to be brought in control? Is there some of those little white lies that are just really, it's just not being honest? Has God nailed you this morning like he nailed me? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand this morning. But I am going to ask you to do this. If God nailed you like he nailed me in some of these areas then I want to ask you to just right now, right where you're at, just say a prayer and say, Lord, I'm going to be open and honest. I'm not showing kindness. I'm not showing people fairness. I'm harboring stuff instead of giving forgiveness. My language is not honoring you. My temperament is a little bit out of control. And I'm justifying lies instead of just being honest and truthful. But Lord, I don't want that to be in my life anymore. Today, I turn it over to you. 
And Lord, I pray that you would replace all that's not the heart of the Lord and tender it with the things that are of the Lord. Lord, would you change my heart today and Lord, make me more like you. And it's in your name I pray. Amen.